here's what we're going to do. So the, uh, we're going to do for the next three weeks, we're going to do a message on, here's the title of it, and it's going to be the same title uh, because I'm having a hard time honing in all that I want to do on each week, but um, I'm calling it part one, two, and three. How creative is that, right? Part one, two, and three. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Lord's Day and the Christian Sabbath, all right? That's what we're going to talk about, the Lord's Day and the Christian Sabbath. And um, I want to explore this topic with you because, one, not really done it since I've been here. Two, um, there's things in my own soul that, that I wrestle with, and um, this is just part of preaching. A lot of times you, people may not understand this. When I'm preaching, sometimes I'm preaching to myself. Um, also, I, w- I would say this. I'd really think God's people uh, don't have a lot of teaching on this. I don't think we've examined this. Um, and here's what's happened with this idea of the Lord's Day or a Christian Sabbath. Um, there's either been this run to legalism or this run to license, but rarely is there this idea of appropriate Christian commandment and liberty, right? And what I want to look at is how can we, how can we obey the Lord? Is this even a commandment? Is, or is this something of a bygone era? And what the two things I think when it comes to this topic that have happened is either there's been a run to a legalism, a pharisaical adding extra laws to God's commands kind of thing, or there's been this run to license that said, well, since Jesus is the true Sabbath, and that's actually true, he is the true rest, that there is no implication for this command of God. So uh, I want to avoid both extremes, but I want to run to kind of, I guess you could call it the middle ground, but it would really be, and it's not the middle ground because I'm trying to straddle a fence, it's the middle ground of, I still see a command of God, and I also see that there are certain liberties. So I want to talk about this idea of the Lord's Day and the Christian Sabbath, and it's going to take me about three weeks, and here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that I get questions that challenge me, um, because, you know, it's interesting when you preach, something can make complete great sense here, right? But but really helps when God's people kind of go, well, well, then what about this? Well, then what about this? Now, my hope is that my preparation eventually will answer all those questions. And so please start asking me those questions. But that's why I'm going to take three weeks to really talk about this subject matter. But I think it's really important. Um, the Lord's Day or, and the Christian Sabbath. Now, I'm going to define what that means here in a little bit, a little bit more. When I say the Lord's Day, here's what I mean. I mean Sunday, the day of resurrection, the first day of the week, gathering with God's people on this day. That's what I mean when I say the Lord's Day, right? You're going to hear me refer to that through this series with that phrase, the Lord's Day. You're, when I say that, I'm talking as in Revelation 1.10. I'm talking as in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. I'm talking about this idea that we see in the early church, the first Christians that they gather together on the first day of the week. And actually, when you look at the Greek, it's called the first day after Sabbath, right? Everything revolved around Sabbath. When you actually look at, like, John and Revelation, when you look at 1 Corinthians 6, when you look at Acts 20, it talks about the first day after Sabbath, all right? Um, Often our translators will say the week, but actually that word is sabbaton, so I just have to say this. I, I think there is something about the Lord's Day, and I think there is a connection to the Sabbath, that God, the rest that God gave, and we'll connect that up through the series. 
When I say the Lord's Day, that's what I mean. Also, you're going to hear me say this word Christian Sabbath. When I say the word Christian Sabbath, what I'm saying is it's the view that God has transferred that Sunday day of rest for Israel and has transferred, it is, it is now the first day of the week, the first, the um, Lord's Day. When I say Christian Sabbath, I'm saying Christians who now see the day of rest is now on Resurrection Sunday, the first day of the week, or the first day after Sabbath on Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. That's when I say Christian Sabbath. And I would say, Christ, when I say the word Christian Sabbath, it's this idea that what God has given in the law is apply, it applies to today. Now, you're also going to hear me say seventh day Sabbath. That's really someone who would see Saturday. The actual day Saturday is the day that one would rest, right? Have you ever heard the phrase a uh, seventh day Adventist, right? You ever heard that word, right? So that would be someone in the seventh day Sabbath. They're actually Baptists. When I was pastoring Wisconsin, I had a guy, it was really interesting. I had a guy that would come to church on Sundays, but then on Saturday he would go to his Seventh-day Baptist, right? That taught me that, man, there are lots of different Baptists, right? I didn't have any idea that it was that wide. Now I'm going to try to hold these terms as I use them through this series, the Lord's Day, which would be a worship of God's people on Sunday after the resurrection, uh, the day the Lord resurrected. What we're doing today is I would consider we're meeting on the Lord's Day. And I'll show you why I've come to that conclusion. And I'll use the word Christian Sabbath. I'm referring to those that would see the Lord's Day as also now has taken over that day of rest that started at creation, given to Moses, to Israel that was on, that would have been on a Saturday, but now is on the Lord's Day on Sunday. But then also I'll use the word seventh day Sabbath. That's those who would see the Sabbath just on Saturday. I'll try to hold these terms. I'll try to use them in clarity. But that's, that's what I mean when I say these terms. Now, let me give you first a couple things. Um, there's a tension on my soul regarding this subject matter. There really is. Um, I've been conflicted for years, for decades, teaching and talking about this. And I've been conflicted in how my own actions should actually look on this day. I really have. I've struggled for a long time and still do to this day. I can remember the first time I really tried to take serious some of this is the first church I worked in, after church on that day, it was kind of common. We lived in the city called Ferris, and in Ferris, it was one of those places that had no stoplights. It had a Dairy Queen, right? And that's about it. And so Sunday was a good day because it gave, you had a little bit more time. During the week, you didn't have time to drive 30 minutes to the next city to a, where there would be like a, you know, a bigger place to eat. So on Sunday, you kind of had a little bit more time. And what was common in that church, uh, even with our friends, was after church on Sunday, We'd load up, and then we would go to the next big city, right? Uh, Waxahachie. Anybody know Waxahachie, Texas, right? All right, that was kind of the next big city. Or, you know, and that's where typically we would go. And we would go to some place like a Chili's, a real exotic place, Chili's. That was big living. That was big city. So I remember in that church, it was kind of our common thing. But then as, the, as I began to continue to get to know the Lord's Word, I can remember just kind of getting real convicted about it of saying, wait a minute. Like, I'm making, I'm making people work on this day. Is this right? I mean, am I, am I doing something that's violation of what God wants? And so Cindy and I made a decision for a, a brief time that, um, that we wouldn't actually go out to eat on Sundays. And I can tell you, everybody was confused. <laughs> you know, like, well, don't you want to go hang out with us? Yes, but... And uh, confused and also sad, right? It was like everybody went out to eat together, and then we went back to the parsonage, right? And so uh, I can remember we held on to that for a little bit, 
And then, like all things, I just kind of let go of it because I'd rather go to Chili's and hang out. But I would say those kind of things still haven't left me. I still have struggled through the years. Even as recently as, um, you know, what's really interesting is, so we have kind of this rhythm for our family that up until COVID, we really went out to eat a lot on Sunday. That's what we com- commonly did, right? Well, COVID, remember, do y'all remember COVID? All these restaurants shut down and you really couldn't do that. And then, you know, we would go to eat, eat lunch with, you know, friends and stuff. And that was kind of the look, you know, everybody looked forward to it on Sunday. And I've just kind of left that idea behind and didn't really kind of thought, well, you know, that's not really applicable. We'll just keep kind of going with life. Well, during COVID, that kind of shut down. So we got used to not actually eating out anymore. And, you know, the funny thing is during COVID, only like an eighth of us came, right? And so there was really no one to go out to eat with anyways. And I can remember during that time thinking, okay, now I need to kind of think back. You know, what does the Lord want out of this day? I can remember once COVID had kind of passed, or at least things were now loosened up, you could go out to eat and stuff. And already it started to sound something, it started to seem a little bit different. Even so much that you saw that our church, um, by the way, this was not my motivation for doing this in our church, but we started having family meal, right? You remember we started having that over about a year ago, a little over a year. Um, my motivation for us doing this was not to protect Sabbath for Nick, but I sure was thankful for it. I sure was thankful that there was no longer that temptation on me. And I have to tell you, every time I paid the bill, I almost felt like a hypocrite that I would pay this bill and then think to myself, you had no opportunity to rest, and it's because of what I'm doing. Now, some at that point would go, Nick, they're going to work anyways. Well, that's not the point. The point is, what has God commanded me to do? So I'm, there's things in my soul that, I, that are heavy that I think I want to talk to God's people about on this. I'm also a little embarrassed that at this point it's been decades, and I'm still trying to solidify some hard things in my soul that I don't think I've taught my family and church and those I disciple and all the, as you, many of you know, the Lord's given me so much, um, so much grace that I actually get to teach the future pastors and missionaries that are coming through Memphis at uh, Mid-America. Um, they'll be teaching classes in biblical counseling and theology to them. Is that, uh, that I even wonder, how well am I doing training the next generation about this? Because I, I have noticed that gathering on the Lord's Day with God's people, making that a priority, doesn't seem to be as much of a priority. And I have to tell you, I'm honestly scared. I'm scared for the future. I'm scared. I'm not scared about Jesus being on the throne, but I'm scared about the rhythms of which we're discipling our own children. I'm scared for my grandchildren. I'm scared. I really am. I'm scared that in, in the rhythm of life, coming to church on Easter and coming to church on Christmas Eve and Christmas will be about it. I'm even scared that that probably won't even happen. I'm really scared because if, when I first became a believer in, in the mid-1990s, great time, y'all remember that? In the mid-1990s, the music was incredible. <laughs> I can remember that you wouldn't dare have something on a Sunday. You didn't do it, right? You just didn't do it. Ball teams didn't have it. No one did it. You did not do that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden I noticed when we got into the 2000s, Ball teams would have practice on a Sunday afternoon. And everybody kind of said, eh, no big deal. You know, we're not getting in the conflict of anything church-related. Then all of a sudden, mission creep happened, right? And those, that practice in the afternoon became games. And those games were, well, you know what? Here's another day. And they started sliding it into Sunday. So much so that it now became a consuming thing. Now, I'm not here to 
um, cachet or kind of say, you know, I'm not here to rail against, you shouldn't play soccer or you shouldn't play softball or whatever on Sunday. What I'm really here to say is, have we looked at what God's word says about this? And have we really examined it as, what does God want out of this day? Is there something special to it? So there's a tension that's been here. It's been here for some time. And I want to talk about it to you. I think it would be good for us. So there's going to be lots of questions that I think I'm going to try to answer through this series. There's lots of questions I want you to ask me. I want you to ask me as I get off the platform here, as we're having family meal, I want you to say, could you address or what about this aspect? Have you thought about this? I do want that. And then I also want to reserve the right that maybe next week I might go, I need to clarify something. First, let's do this. Take your Bible and go to Revelation 1.10. We're going to look through some scriptures. So here's my plan. For three weeks, we're going to talk about this subject matter. Um, and then on Mother's Day, we're going to have parent dedication. Uh, baby dedication is, is really a parent dedication. And then the plan is to start 2 Corinthians uh, the week after Mother's Day. But I want to spend three weeks on this. I want to talk about it. I want to explore it. I want us to think about it. Uh, men, if you're fathers, you lead a home. Uh, if you're husbands, I want you to go home. I want you and your wife to talk about what does it look like to have a rest day to the Lord? What does it look like for it to be holy? What does it look like for our family? What is God's intent in the Word? First, I want to point you to something. There is a Lord's Day. That's the first point. There is a Lord's Day. And here's what I mean. In the Scriptures, every day is the Lord's. Amen? I mean, every day is unto the Lord. But is there a recognizing in the scriptures that there is a set-apart day that belongs to God, that belongs to the gathering of God's people, and they can gather more than on this day, but is there a day that there's a gathering of God's people that God that is unique, that we've seen in the very beginning with the apostles and all the way through church history, and that we can still see today? Is there such thing as a Lord's Day? Is there such thing as a priority of the Lord's Day? Is there a such thing... As the early Christians and the apostles, is there an influence that we see them gathering together on Resurrection Sunday? And my question is yes. And here's where I see it. Revelation chapter 1, look in verse 9. This is John, who was an apostle, a very Jewish apostle, right? And this is the man writing the last book of the, of the Holy Scripture. And it says this, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker... And tribulation and kingdom and in perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the witness of Jesus. So John, island of Patmos, about to write the book of Revelation. Last apostle, last apostle. Can everybody say apostle? So this, this guy was communicating God's word. This was one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles, a very Jewish man. A man that grew up with the idea of a Saturday Sabbath, a man that recognized that as the Lord's day. But notice, he says this, I was in the Spirit on... Oh, my, if one person's phone went off, mine's probably next to go off like that. I think we have a, some kind of warning or alarm. He says this in verse 10, I was in the Spirit on what? The Lord's Day. Now, some would say at this point, okay, well, he must be talking about Sunday. And it's true he could, but also I would say this. 
if, if that's what something he was going to do, he probably would have said something like Sabbath, or he probably would have used some different Jew, Jewish terminology. But he says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so I want you to understand, he is, he is at this point saying there is a special day set aside. There is a special day for God's people. And I was in, on that, it was on that day that I received the revelation. So, the idea that every day is holy to the Lord, yes. But is there still this idea that we see the Apostle John recognizing there is a day? Yeah, we still see it. Now do this. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Actually, I have the wrong chapter right here. No wonder. 16. I had the 6 right. I'm like, man, I'm looking here at chapter 6. That does not look right. Why don't I just look at my notes here? He says, It's now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to set aside something aside, saving whatever, whatever he has prospered so that no collections be made when I come. Once you notice that they're collecting every day of the week, set aside something, they're collecting and they're gathering on the first day of the week. By the way, that word week is from the Greek word sabaton. We see that there is a first day of the week gathering. Now do this. Go over to Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Acts chapter 20 verse 7. Already early on, I want you to see that there is this recognizing on the first day of the week when Jesus resurrected, when the announcement comes out. Now look at this in chapter 20, verse 7. This is where Eutychus is raised from the dead. And look in verse 7, it says this. On the first day of the week, this is Acts chapter 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, Sabaton, right? This is the, now our translations will say first day of the week, but um, if you were to just literally put it out there, it would say the first day after Sabbath. And, and guess what Tuesday will be called? The second day after Sabbath. That would literally what you could say right there. That word week, Sabbaton. But regardless, the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began speaking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. That's a long sermon, isn't it? So I want you to see the early Christians. We see even the evidences that they're meeting together on the first day. The, this is the day that the Lord resurrected. And then when you look in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, you find this idea that John is saying, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So just from the very beginning, I want to say, I see something in the text of Scripture that, that, that seems like we have a we have Christians now coming together. Now, when you look through church history and you find, you can often find this in actually some historical writings like the Didache. 
that Christians were meeting on the very first day after Sabbath. Sometimes they were meeting at sundown after Sabbath, because that's when typically the new day would start. Some were meeting on the first day. A lot of times they were meeting early in the morning, because that was a work day, right? And it wasn't until Constantine's time that that first day of the week actually became a day that could have more rest. They actually put it into the law. Now, some people would say, well, there was really no first day of the week. There was no Sunday worship for Christians. There was no ability for that to ever be a Sabbath. That was all because of Constantine. And I would say, no. Actually, in the Scriptures and historically, Christians were gathering together on the first day of the week, Sunday, the first day after Sabbath. They were doing that way before 321 when Constantine makes it a law that there is a day off um, on Sunday. They were doing that way before. Now, did they have the whole day? No, because they had to work. It was a normal day. They would usually try to gather at sundown on what we would call Saturday night and early in the morning on Sunday. But they were gathering, reflecting on the Lord's day, the resurrection of Jesus. They were coming together and looking at that, and get this, as a new creation day. When, when God creates the world, the first, if, if, if the if the Sabbath for the Jews, right, was on Saturday, right, then the first day of creation would be on what day? Sunday. And so the early Christians were known for worshiping on this first day of the week, this first after the Sabbath, for a couple reasons. One, Jesus resurrected. Two, in Jesus we are new creation in Christ. And the early Christians, this is before Constantine, saw this as That was the first day of creation, and that's the first day of the new creation in Christ, right? So that was one of their motivations. Three, they would consider that first day after Sunday, after Sabbath, that first Sunday, that first Sunday after, uh, that first day after Sabbath Sunday, they also saw that as the kind of eighth day, meaning this. If you had all the days of creation, then you had the seventh day for the Jews was this Saturday, they would say the eighth day is that actually that points to glory. So when they gathered together, they not only saw it as the new creation day celebrating the first day of creation, not only did they see it as the the day that the Lord resurrected and they were worshiping and recalling this, they were taking communion together in this, and then part of that day is they're actually looking forward to the Lord coming someday. They would actually say this is a reminder of the great Sabbath rest that's coming someday in Jesus. So I want to tell you this, before Constantine ever came on the scene and said, let's make some public policy, this is going to be a civil, we're going to legislate, all right, this is after the time of Jesus until 321, we find historically, and we can find evidence that Christians were gathering on, the, on Sunday, the first day of the week, the first day after Sabbath, for worship, for prayer, for communion, for teaching, and the apostles' word. There was, we can see that historically. We can even see John, the last of all the writers, saying, I was on the Lord's day. It was on the Lord's day. So already by that time, we see that there's something special about this day. So my question is this. Is the Lord's day really the Lord's day? If you have noticed with us, with Christians, the Lord's day is really kind of like the Lord's morning. The Lord's day is what John says. The Lord's day. Even this, even if we can get far enough to go, okay, we'll prioritize gathering of God's people to give the day to the Lord. Oh, that seems difficult, doesn't it? 
Now, I'm going to make a jump here in a minute why I think that at this point, if you kind of go like, Nick, where you kind of lie, I would probably, if you're, and by the way, I, I hasten to even say this because I don't want you to Google it and go, here's all the things wrong with it. But, but if you were to fit me in a camp, I would probably be someone that was more of a, um, actually, I'm not going to say that word yet because I'm going to say that to the end because I don't want you to Google things and try to come up. But I would say this, that John would say the Lord's day tells me that John is saying there's a day set aside, not just a morning, not just a one gathering. There's a day set aside for reflection and worship that is uniquely and distinctly a day for the Lord. And here's my proposal to you that you're going to find in the series, that up until the time of Christ, that was Saturday. And then after Christ, through time in history, you start to see that merge for God's people onto the first day of the week, Sunday. And I think we see enough evidence through time in history that we actually see that this is a good thing. And that, what, that one thing we should probably start asking ourselves is, how does our Sundays reflect actually the idea of Sabbath rest, obedience to God's commandments, and how does it look? Now, you might at this point go, you mean we need to just read the Bible all day at home? That's really probably not a bad thing, right? I, I'm saying that's bad. I'm never going to stop you. Don't read your Bible. You know, I'm not going to do that. But I would say this. There's a lot of things that can happen on that day. We're going to talk more about that here in just a little bit. But free your mind from thinking I'm talking about some staunch kids. Shut up. You know, everybody quit talking. We're just going to read Leviticus all day. <clears throat> no, there should probably be a sanctified nap. <laughs> you know? It's not wrong to do good on the rest day. But I would say we also need to be careful about the license which we run with on the Lord's day. Now, I want to make a connection that, that I would propose to you that the Lord's day, Resurrection Sunday, the first day after Sabbath, what we see in, not only in the early church with the apostles, the early church, we see it more and more grow as time goes on. There is civil legislation given to it starting at Constantine, and we start to see it even through the Reformation that certain countries and certain times and periods of Christian history that we see even civil government saying, no one can work on this day. And we see Christians more and more being able to use that day as a day focused on the Lord where there's no temptations. For instance, right now, honestly, the temptation for me to probably go out to eat after church today is family meal, right? Not, that's not the only reason we have it, but naturally... It's going to be there. Isn't it going to look weird if I don't hang around, right? It's like, where'd Nick go? He's at Chili's. First thing you should probably think is make a better selection if you're just going to do it. But, but it would look weird. Now, I would say this, uh, is, that, is that as much as that takes away from the temptations of today is, is really... How does it look for our own family and life? What, what temptations are there? Have we recognized it? So, do this. Go over to Genesis 1. Let's start at the beginning, and we'll paint a picture here. So, my proposal is this. There is a Lord's Day. And if there is a Lord's Day, where would that day be? Now, what, at this point, when I would say this idea of a Christian Sabbath, right? That would be a Christian who says what we see in God's intent for rest is actually on the Lord's Day now. At this point, some would go, well, that was given to the law of Moses. But do you know that the idea of a day of rest was given way before Moses? Way before. It was a creational principle. 
Now do this. Go to Genesis 1, 26. I'm, we're going to read some scripture. Are we still okay with reading scripture? By the way, if you feel tired today, and, and you know people sometimes apologize for falling asleep during service. One, I would say, if you fall asleep during service, tell Jason. He'll load that coffee up even more, right? He'll increase it with multiple more doses of caffeine. Number two, if you fall asleep in church, it may just be that God wants you to rest, right? So what a great day to fall asleep. Or it could mean that the preacher is being boring. One of the two. Or three. So if your spouse falls asleep and you nudge him, you know, just let him rest, right? Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness so they will have dominion over the fish of the sea of the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What day are we on right here, church? Day six. Day six. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. So we're on day six. Now bump down to verse 31. And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. He's, God's been saying good after each day. After the sixth day, very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. So six day ends. Now look at the seventh day. Verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And on the seventh day God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day. Did he rest on the seventh day because he was tired? God doesn't get tired. But he rested from all his work, which he had done. When God had blessed the seventh day, he sanctified it. Because on it he rested from all his work which God had created in making it. God rested not because he was tired. God rested so that he could reflect, admire, and set a pattern for us someday. So I would say this. People go, hey, 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 hey. You talk about this day of rest. Isn't that the law of Moses? Isn't that the law? Hey, 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 hey. I would go, well, actually, let me say, it was there before the law of Moses. It was part of the moral law. It was part of the law written on man's heart. It was already there. I'll do this. Go over to Exodus chapter 20. Let me show this to you. God had a day of rest for his creation. God modeled it and showed that. I would say this. This is me personally. Just with my view of studying scripture. I don't think we have to be caught up like this idea of is it that, oh, it's got to be Saturday because that's when he, because when he first gave that application, that's where it was. I would say it's perfectly fine and feasible for it to be on Sunday, right? And I see evidence with the apostles, with the early church, the first day of the week celebrating the resurrection. Now, do this. Go over to Exodus chapter 20. Does anybody know what's happening in Exodus chapter 20? Ten Commandments. Who gives the Ten Commandments? The Lord, by his own voice. Later, it gets written on tablets of stone with God's own finger. I would call this what we call the moral law of God. It's the root system to everything. If, you don't, if, if someone doesn't know much about the scriptures, if they know the Ten Commandments, they can make a, a very wise decision on almost anything in life. Now, once again, I think sometimes people don't know the Ten Commandments, so I'm just going to walk through it. Look in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. I still believe that's a good commandment. Verse 4 is commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness, what is in heaven above, or on earth beneath, or on the water underneath. Have only one God, and that God cannot share space with any idol. God is terrible at sharing himself with any other God. Amen? Verse 7. 
You shall not take the name of your God in vain. For Yahweh will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Commandment number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Now we'll come back to verse eight. That's commandment four, but let's jump. Commandment number five, verse 12. Honor your mother and father that your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh gives you. Commandment number six, verse 13, you shall not murder. Commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Commandment number eight and verse 15, you shall not steal. Commandment number nine, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Then number 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male slave or female slave. Don't covet. These are the Ten Commandments of God. And I would tell you, these are what we often call the moral law of God. Given by the voice of God, given by, written by the finger of God. They were there before this was given. God's law, God's moral law already existed. Let me give you an example. Because here's what people say sometimes. Nick, okay, the Saturday Sabbath was a thing for Israel only and had nothing to do with the church later on. And I would go, well, I don't know. Because we see that the Lord at creation sets aside a day. We see John saying the Lord's day. We find that there is this, we find that now we go from synagogue to the church and there seems like there's something different that's going on. But I would say this, even before this time in Exodus 20 when God speaks, the law of God was already written on their hearts. If you're you're going to look this up later, you can go to Romans chapter 2 verse 15 and it talks about the law of God written on man's heart. Before this is even given, by the way, do you know that not everything, that God doesn't tell us everything before we get to, do we understand that there's things that God did with people even in Genesis that we're not told about? Can we all accept this, right? That there's things we don't know. What's interesting, the law of God written on man's heart. You get the fall in chapter 3. Does anybody remember the fall happens in chapter 3? What happens in chapter 4? What happens with Cain and Abel? Yeah, but wait a minute. How do we know that murder is bad? Where do we get that idea? So even there's a knowing that murder is wrong. What about adultery? Do we not see in later in chapter 4 that it points out that Lamech was the first polygamist? We already see. How do we know this is wrong? How does this even point it out as something that's, that's not a positive thing? Because thou shalt not commit adultery. Somewhere, somehow, whether given audibly by God or placed, because it's already there, uh, the law of God written in man's heart, that the law was already, the moral law was already known. Now let me show this to you. Go back over, I'm sorry, actually, I need to point you to verse 7. Man, I jumped over the, I'm sorry, verse 8. I jumped over the whole commandment number 4. Look at commandment number 4. I want you to notice this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. At this time, what day was this talking about? Saturday. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of what Yahweh your God. In it you shall not do any work. Simple enough. Here's where I always got struck reading this passage. You, your sons, your daughter, your male, your female slaves, your cattle, your sojourner within your gates. I I don't have any slaves at home or anything, right? You know, but I I would say this. I can't help but but know that, you know, what we're talking about is this is someone you're employing in, in some sense. Every time I go to a restaurant on a Sunday, there was, I'm just telling you what my own soul would like, man. I feel like I'm making people in my household work. I'm making people in our society work. I'm, I'm paying your wage so that you'll be here and serve me on a day like that you should be set aside. And I'm over here to evangelize you 
but really, I feel like a hypocrite because you couldn't be with God's people. You couldn't have a Lord's day because of what I'm doing. Now he says this, for in six days Yahweh made, now, so he says, here's a rest day. Now, here's what I want to propose to you. When this was given by the, thing, by the voice of God, I don't think Israel was going, what? Are you kidding me? We can't murder people? I mean, man, what about my, what about my amendment rights? No, I mean, there was anything like that. Or You mean I can't commit adultery? Are you kidding me? Stealing? Well, how am I supposed to get more gold if I don't steal? I mean, they gave us plenty in Egypt. What? I think when the Lord says, take a rest day, that wasn't a shock. Why is it not a shock? Because look right here in verse 6. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he's saying, I want you to rest this day, but, but really this rest already existed before it was given right here. This rest already happened at creation. So guess, guess what? A day of rest, a Lord's day, existed before it was given here. It still, so my proposal to you in this series, it still exists now. It transferred from Saturday to Sunday, the day of resurrection, the day of new creation, a day pointing forward the pointing forward towards the Lord coming back. Now, you might be saying this. Go over to Exodus chapter 16. I want to show you something. Just to kind of prove my point that I think the law of God written on man's heart was already there. We're about a month before the events at Sinai when God speaks, you know, and, and gives them the commands. I think those commands were already there. They already knew it. It says this, and go to chapter 16 of Exodus. And it, they set out from Elam, and all the, this is, by the way, they, you know, two months ago they just left Egypt, right? And they set sail from Elam, this is chapter 16, verse 1, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, and on the 15th day of the second month. What day of the second month? Got it. After their departure from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses, Aaron in the wilderness. They complained. Anybody ever done that? Verse 3, And the sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of Yahweh in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the posts of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to put this whole assembly to death with hunger. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. How awesome would it be to have food in your backyard when you woke up in the morning? No more Walmart or Costco or anything of that nature. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my law. See this? Now, it will be that on the sixth day they shall prepare what they bring in and it will be twice as much as they gather daily. God gives the from, the, from the voice of God at Mount Sinai in chapter 20, he says, Sabbath day, but what we already see here in chapter 16, before we even get there, we see a rest day already. 
My proposal to you is this. It was a creational design way before. It was the moral law of God written on man's heart. It was the moral law of God that transcends. And what people will say is, oh, no, no, no. This day of rest was something that was just ceremonial. And I would go, well, here's the deal. The Ten Commandments are the root system, the structure of it all. And so, yes, were there ceremonial laws that sprang from the Ten Commandments for Israel? Absolutely. And did Jesus fulfill those ceremonial laws? Absolutely. Is there a need for ceremonial laws anymore because Jesus is a perfect sacrifice? Absolutely no no need. That's why we don't do sacrifices anymore. I didn't ask you to bring a sheep or a goat or a bull this morning, right? So glad that day's over. I would not like skinning all those animals on the Lord's day. But I will tell you this, that... Already, way before, there was already some kind of rest that was going on. And prepare yourself. Prepare for a day of rest. Already it's here in chapter 16. Written on man's heart. Way before. Already. So people would go, well, the the Ten Commandments were a ceremonial thing. And this part, actually, was a ceremonial thing. And it's gone in Christ. And I would say the ceremonial aspects may be gone. For instance, on the Sabbath day... They made double offerings. The priest still had to do sacrifices and stuff on the Saturday Sabbath. And those ceremonial parts we're not doing anymore, but the moral parts we still are. So the moral law still stays intact. There were ceremonial aspects of the moral law. That ceremonial part is gone in Christ, but the moral part is still intact. Why? Because it didn't happen just at Sinai. It happened way before at creation. And even before God says it on Sinai, We see it right here a month before. Do this. Look at chapter 16 and verse 22. That happened on the sixth day. They gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses. And he said to them, this is what Yahweh has spoken. Tomorrow is a Sabbath observance, a holy Sabbath to Yahweh. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is in excess put aside to keep until morning. So they put it aside into mourning, and Moses had commanded, and it did not become foul, nor was there any worm on it. And Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to Yahweh. Today you shall not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now it happened on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then Yahweh said to Moses, How long will you refuse my commandment and my laws? So I'll just say this. There, there seems in chapter 16 to be some ideas of They're already recognizing a day of rest. So here's my proposal for God's people. There is a Lord's day. At creation, there was a day of rest. The Mosaic law confirmed that there was a rest day, but it was not a new idea. The New Testament does, does, and, and at the same time, people would say, well, the New Testament doesn't talk about the Sabbath at all. It doesn't confirm it. It confirms, this is what people say. It confirms the nine, nine of the other commandments, but really doesn't confirm this commandment, and I would say, I don't know if that's really true. So do this. Go over to Mark, Matthew chapter 12. Now, before you kind of run and go, like, Nick, are you trying to tell me that I can't do this and that and this and that and this and that? Notice I'm not doing a lot of that right now. We'll talk about that later. What I don't want to do in this series is create legalism, but I really want to protect against license, but I want to protect against legalism. I want us to be honest and sober. Here's the great thing about Jesus. Jesus perfectly taught on the law and fulfilled the law. So if we want to understand how should we today understand a day of rest, why don't we just look at how Jesus treated it, right? 
Notice this when we read this passage like in Matthew 12. Notice Jesus doesn't go, the Sabbath is gone. The day of rest is gone. But he does help them understand their misinterpretations of it. Now, when we talk about a day of rest, most people start dreaming of what these Pharisees had done and start going, man, we're not going to be able to move a chair. I mean, what poor Juana. Man, how's Juana even going to be able to have anything? We can't move chairs around. That's, here's what the Pharisees had done. They had added so many extra laws to God's law so they wouldn't disobey it. They became legalists. And Jesus gets all over them about that. Jesus does not say, let's have no Sabbath day of rest. Jesus says, you have taken it and you have added to it in such a way that now you're not even doing right with it. Let me correct it for you, Pharisees. Let me correct it for you, the religious Jews. And let me help you understand what actually is supposed to be done on this day. Look in chapter 12, verse 1. By the way, this is why they really got upset with Jesus. This is why, they, this is why the Jews actually put him on the kangaroo trial to the cross. At this time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick heads of grain and eat. Simple enough, right? And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Not lawful according to God's command, but to their commands, to the traditions of men, to their own rabbinical laws. Verse 3, And he said to them, Have you not read that David did when he became hungry, he and his companions, how he entered the house of God and he ate the consecrated bread that was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone? Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests and the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you, something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire compassion, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus says, I just want you to know, I am Lord of the Sabbath, and what I've decided, how this works, I'm going to show you exactly, and there is nothing wrong with taking care of essential needs on the Sabbath. There is nothing wrong with that. So, for instance, people will sometimes go like, well, what about a mom and like her kids are, what if her kids are hungry on the Sabbath? Is it wrong for her to cook? No. I mean, you should probably feed your kids. That's a pretty good thing to do. It's not wrong to do good on the Sabbath. If your neighbor is in need, is it wrong to help your neighbor in need? You know, if sewage is pouring out of your neighbor's house, you just to go, uh, mm, let's wait till Monday. We'll take care of it then. No, you can do good on the Sabbath. So I want you to free this idea of, well, we have to be legalists with it. No, but we also can't be people who just run to absolute complete license with it. So he says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So he corrects their misinterpretation at what they have taken of, of the Scriptures. And he continues on. It's not enough. He just keeps going. I love this about Jesus. He doesn't let you just settle in and get comfortable. By the way, in Mark chapter 2, a parallel passage, he says this in Mark chapter 2, which is just the next book over. Let me read for you what it says on this one that's very unique. Verse 23. And it happened as he was passing the grain fields. This is Mark 2, 23. On the Sabbath, his disciples began to make their way along, picking heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are you doing which is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read that David did when he was in need? He and his companions became hungry. Right? And he entered the house of God around the time of Abithar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone except the priest. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Then Jesus was saying to them, The Sabbath was made for man... And not man for the Sabbath. Consequently, 
the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus says, hey, I just want you to understand, you've lost it. This Sabbath is made for man, and I am Lord of the Sabbath. Now, what, now go back over to Matthew 12. My point to you is, is this. There's a lot more good that can happen on the Sabbath day. So back off from this idea of Pharisaical legalism that people try to run to. What, what, you tell me I can't do this, I can't do that. We're going to talk more about that in this series. But I will tell you, it's not wrong to do good. It's not wrong. Verse 9. And departing from there, he went to their synagogues. And behold, a man was there whose hand was withered. And they questioned Jesus, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him. And he said to them, What man is there among you who, if the sheep will fall into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored to normal like the other. And going out, the Pharisees took counsel against him, how they might destroy him. And their rabbinical laws, it was said that you needed to, that if someone had a need, that you just waited till the next day. And he was like, no, actually, if you can do good today, I mean, if, if you can do that with an animal, why can't you do that with a man? Give me your hand, let me heal you. He's Lord of the Sabbath. But also, the Sabbath was made for man. So, what am I trying to show you in this? What I'm trying to show you is we need to back off from this idea that the Sabbath has so many legalistic rules, but we also need to realize that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath and the Sabbath was made for man for a reason, which I think if we realize those principles, we won't run to the license that we do, but we won't run to the legalism. We'll go, God has a good commandment, a day of rest for his people. God has established his law at creation. God has reiterated it in the moral law. God has left intact the moral law even here still today. And, and here's my, my proposal to you. Do you ever feel tired? Like, yeah, I just heard your sermon, feel tired. Do you ever feel tired? Like I just need a break? Do you ever think, I wish I could disconnect from the media. I wish I could disconnect. Some may be like, no, nah, I don't want that. Man, this is the, man, this is the day to scroll around, right? Have you ever wish like, like you could get rest for your soul? You ever wish there was a rhythm of it? You ever, as a, hus- as a man, you ever kind of find yourself like, I want to do devotion with my family more, but I feel like I have no time. It, have you ever wished that God would give a rhythm where you had permission, permission to go, no, I'm not answering that email today. Now, that doesn't mean, once again, you can do good on the Sabbath. So if you're a nurse, you're a policeman, I mean, there were essential duties that still happen. I mean, I'm up here preaching to you, but to be honest with you, this actually isn't my Sabbath. I, I mean, I'm sorry, this is my Sabbath rest. You might be like, no, Nick, you're preaching to me. Actually, what I'm actually trying to do is just worship with you. All my work was done before on this, right? Now, I'm just, this is just an outflow of it. So it's not, it's, so what I'm, what I'm telling you is this, I, I think when there's a rest that God's people have forgot, and they forgot and don't realize that God's commandments, that commandment, the fourth command, is still applicable till today, which means this. In this series, I hope that you go home today and you ask this question, what does it look like for this day to be set apart from other days? What does it look like to give ourselves 
to the worship of the one true God on this day? What does it look like to still do good? What does it look like to not run to legalism and not run to this pharisaical judgment of each other, but also to not run to this idea of complete license? What does it look like to say, you know what, we're going to function in our household in such a way on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, we're going to set it up to where if we need to physically rest, we can physically rest. We're going to, we're going to give ourselves to the worship of the Lord and even, even our spaces that day. We're going to give ourselves the margin to actually be able to think and focus on the Lord. Have you ever just w- wish you had some time to think? Have you, have you ever wondered, if, uh, you know, what does it look like to say, hey, there's going to be a day set aside where we're going to enjoy our families Enjoy God's people, not just for a morning, but as a, as a daily rhythm. Does that mean we have to have church until midnight like Paul did and Eutychus falls out the window and, you know, you know, falls dead? No, I'm not saying that, but I am saying there's something we're missing, people of God. I really honestly do, and it's hurting all of us. It really is. We're missing a rest that at creation God has given us. We're missing a rest to our souls. We're wondering, Lord, why don't I love you like I should? Aren't all days yours? And they are. But having a day of preparing ourselves and resting in the Lord helps us to rest in the Lord the other six rightly. I would say there's something that's broken. There's something that needs to be fixed. And my hope in this series is not only my family, but your family, our church, starts to ask some hard questions. Is this a different day? And if this is a different day, how does the command of God to rest, what does that look like for our souls? What does it look like to be holy? And when I say the word rest, did Jesus do good on that day of rest? Did Jesus actually bring healing on that day of rest? Yeah. So it's not wrong to pick your kid up, to stir some macaroni or anything of that nature. But I would say there's things that we're piling onto ourselves on this day that we don't treat it different from any other day. And we would do that. We're to work in this day in such a way that we're not doing the same work we do the rest of the week and we're definitely not trying to influence others to do other work. And if there is some work to do, it's something that has to do with the glory of God and the good of others And we're giving a margin to our life to say, God, I trust you. Here's six days, 85% of my week. I'm going to give to all the work that you want to happen, right? All the work. And then this this 15% of the week, this is yours. And on this day, I'm going to trust you. On this day, I'm going to prepare for it. On this day, I'm going to try to rest well. On this day, I'm going to rest with my family. I'm going to rest with the covenant family of God. I'm going to have margin and rhythm that this is a day that refreshes me in Jesus, refreshes my relationships. It's a day that is set aside and a day that I don't have that pressure anymore. If the email doesn't get answered on that day, I don't apologize for it. I praise God for it. Would you stand with me? And let me just pray over this. Father, will you help us? Our worship team will come and, well, they'll sing a a song here. Come thou fount, come thou king. Great song to sing. Father, 
I'm asking for help. I really am. I don't even know if we communicated well on this this morning um, or even my own soul. Will you help us to search your scriptures to see what you'd have for us on the Lord's Day? God, help families, singles, wives, mothers, husbands, fathers, children to ask the hard question, what does it look like for this to be a holy day? For this to be a separated day? What does it look like for this to be a different day from the other days? God, help us. What does it look like that this would truly be a day of rest in the Lord? Truly to be a day of rest for our soul and rest for the physical person. In this series, would you protect us, God? I ne- we need your protection. I fear running to the legalism of the Pharisees. And I fear running to the license of a Gentile. But I want to keep your commands because you've given me a new heart. You've transformed me. I delight in the law of God. I delight in this day of rest. God, we admit we're broken people. I'm a broken pastor on this one. I'm a broken pastor, a broken husband, a broken father, a broken discipler. And I'm kind of just flailing around on this one still sometimes. I want to get strengthened. I need God's people to help strengthen. We need each other on this one. And help us for your renown and your glory. And God's people said, amen.